From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is the Deeper Dig. This is it. So you do this every day? Every day. Raised domain. I appreciate Check in. I'm with our reporter Kit Norton in the State House cafeteria, where he's checking in with an important source. So, how did the how did the, uh, the the shrimp Caesar go? It went really well. Went through 16 pounds of shrimp. 16 pounds? Yes. 16 pounds of shrimp. Yep. This is Ray Wood. He's been the head chef at the cafeteria for the past 12 years. Well, what are you thinking about for tomorrow? I think I'm doing my French dip with French fries. Roast beef, French dip, yeah. This is a new one. Yeah, no. If you read Final Reading, Kit's daily newsletter, you know he always talks to Ray about what's going on the menu the next day. But in the middle of this week, when we were still guessing about when the session would wrap up, we thought Ray might have some insider info. I wanted to ask you, actually, have you heard anything from, from folks about coming in on Saturday? Or yeah, we're going to be here Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. But beyond that, have you heard anything? No, but that's what I heard. That's good. Saturday. I like that. Yeah. But by the next day, that schedule had already changed. For me at this point, I believe we will not be in session on Saturday, and we will be in here a couple of days next week. This was House Speaker Mitzi Johnson on Thursday. And even though lawmakers are coming back next week, the action on some key bills this week revealed a lot about the dynamics we've seen in the state house all year. I sat down with Kit and our politics reporter Xander Landon to hear more. <laughs> so tell me about how this um, tentatively planned adjournment for this weekend got delayed. What, how did that come about? House Speaker Mitzi Johnson's explanation is that the the budget got into conference later than it usually does. Uh, the budget obviously has to pass the House and the Senate, and it passed the Senate a little bit later than it usually does, basically leaving both bodies a, a week to hammer out the final details. The budget is the must pass, um, and so I'm not see- I'm not I'm not seeing a clear path as to how that wraps up this weekend. I think that the there are sort of bigger issues and disagreements at play here that are that are really drawing things out, and, th- and those disagreements are sort of over the two major priorities of Democrats this year: the minimum wage bill and the paid family leave bill. They're trying to think about how do we get this stuff across the finish line. Why is paid family leave and minimum wage? Why are those two policies kind of the climactic policies here? I mean, what's the significance of those two? Well. We're seeing versions of these two proposals being pitched and enacted by Democrats and legislatures across the country. And at the federal level, there are calls for a $15 minimum wage. So these ideas are not unique to Vermont. And the reason there's so much momentum and interest in enacting them this year is because there was talk about them last year. They both passed the legislature yet last year, and they were both vetoed last year. So when Democrats were campaigning in 2018, one of the biggest platforms that they, they sort of all shared was let's let's enact a $15 minimum wage and a paid family leave and let's elect enough Democrats. We need 100 Democrats and or left-leaning voters in the House of Representatives so that we can maybe overcome the governor's veto. And, and to be clear, it was, it was even more than that. It was you give us that amount of seats and we will get you get you these things these priorities done um and i think that's really the key here is that it wasn't just we'll work on getting these done you get us these number of seats and we will go out there and get these priorities done and signed so what you now have is 
the governor, you know, not saying whether he'll support them this time around in their current form. And then you also have, specifically in the House chamber, factions in uh, the Democratic caucus right now between you have moderate Democrats, more left-leaning Democrats, and it's really the difficulty wrangling them from leadership's point of view to get them all on the same page. Well, there's there's a considerable amount of frustration in the caucus as we debate these different, different approaches, three different approaches. Before they started their debate on the minimum wage proposal, House Democrats were meeting and they were getting a rundown of, of the bill. And one of the concerns brought up by more liberal Democrats is that the way this, this current proposal set out, which they did indeed vote and approve, you'd get the $15 minimum wage by no earlier than 2026, as opposed to the original version, which would have gotten that wage increase by 2024. And what this really is, is a much, much more diluted proposal than the original. And what you have are folks in the caucus saying, well, wait a second, we're going to get a $15 minimum wage, and that's going to match the livable wage in the state now. So why are we why are we getting this long phase in that is actually not going to truly help Vermonters who are struggling now? And then you have moderate Democrats who are saying, we're concerned about Medicaid funding. We're concerned that a recession might hit. So we have to, one, study it and see if this is effective, and two, put in provisions that we can pause the wage increase if you know the state hits bad times. So those were really the two main arguments being played out in the discussion before it even hit the floor. After all, the reason we're, at, we're in the square we're in now is because the House Democratic Caucus was pretty shaky on this whole concept at large. This is Representative Jay Hooper, a Democrat from Randolph. Jay belongs to the Working Vermonters Caucus, a smaller group of lawmakers that discusses policies that affect working people. He said even they didn't reach consensus on this. We've got a lot of new Dems who kind of say, hey, I didn't really, I didn't really run on this, and I, I don't, I'm not sure, if, not sure if I agree with with the fundamentals enough to, you know, be able to quickly say, yeah, let's, I, let's do this. So it, there was enough uncertainty within the Dem- House Dems, I think, that, you know, we, we kind of had to go a different direction. What's the sort of the point of this compromise to win over the more concerned, more moderate Democrats? I mean, doesn't, doesn't that seem to be the point of this period, this proposal yeah. period? And I think, I think it does win over a couple, you know, it's, it's it's an easier bite to chew on and swallow, um, and the progressives are saying this is just this is just so typical that we aren't willing to stand by what we've been preaching for a decade, you know, or more. But I agree with Tom Stevens ultimately that you know this is this is what we got to because of the circumstances politically, and uh, we want to advance something, not nothing, because I think. Even half a loaf is better than crumbs. Right. I think it's important to note that House leadership in previous years and and even this year backed the $15 minimum wage by 2024, the more aggressive minimum wage increase. The reason that they ultimately went with this more slow rollout is because they wanted to win over some, some of the moderate Democrats to get a stronger vote on the floor. And they wanted to potentially win over the governor. We have an obligation here on behalf of, the people, on behalf of our constituents um, and everyone else in Vermont to get a, a good workable piece of, of legislation forward, and that's our job here. And that may be frustrating, frustrating to many people here, but that's how it is. 
Thank you. But what really makes the task for Democrats even more difficult now is that the vote that they got on the floor yesterday wasn't you know, close to the number they'd need. I mean, it was close, but not close enough to the number they'd need to override a veto. It would be very hard for them to get the 100 votes. They, have, they, they got 90 yesterday. They'd need 100 to beat a veto. Please listen to the second reading of the bill. Page 107, an act the paid family and medical leave. And on the paid leave side, there are a lot of senators, Democrats, that don't think that the paid leave plan is necessarily what we should be investing in right now. We talk about the importance of affordable housing for the people that we have um, who are really struggling with housing instability or homelessness. We talk about the importance of higher ed, and yet we are funding our higher ed system at a level that's kind of at the bottom of the nation. And the list goes on. So from my perspective, I am weighing this. Not that it's not meritorious, that people don't benefit from it. I certainly don't dispute that at all. I just see that this is uh, taking revenue that uh, will never be available, and therefore I view it as almost putting at risk or a threat to our ability to ever substantially address the commitments that we are failing to fulfill. It would cost um, basically, you know, depending on how you look at it, depending on what proposal you're looking at, between about $30 million and $80 million to fund this thing. It would be funded by a mandatory payroll tax, at least the Democrats' plan, on workers and or employers. So it's a lot of money, and there are Democrats that say that if we levy this tax on folks, it's going to eat into our ability to raise money for other priorities because we're putting more burdens on people to to fund this thing when we have all these other things that maybe we should be funding that are higher priorities. So these are all kind of things that are going to have to be worked out in the coming days. And can the governor get on board? He's not really being super clear. He's remained, he's remained mum on this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For, you know, even though he's kind of hinted here and there, um, you know, he's he's not coming out. And this is one of the things where... House leadership just today, you know, said how um, basically irritated it's been with the lack of clarity coming from the governor's office. Um, I'm still hoping that in our meetings and frequent communications with the governor and the administration, we get some actual guardrails from him. Uh, we've met a number of times. Um, we're continuing to meet. And when when I ask about questions of, you know, where are you willing to go? Where's... Wh- where are the guardrails on this conversation for you? I, I mostly get non-answers that that are either we'll see what the whole package of legislation looks like or let me wait and see what a vote looks like. Do you feel like he's not being forthright enough in this end uh, part of the session that he hasn't been clear enough about where um, where he will support or will not support a budget or the minimum wage bill and these other sort of big pieces of legislation? I think that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I uh, liken it a little bit to the tale of Goldilocks. <laughs> Last year, the porridge was a little too hot when, in March, he was giving a list of what bills he was going to veto before those bills were ever even out of committee and finalized. This year, the porridge is a little too cold with him saying, I'm going to wait and see on everything. House Speaker Nancy Johnson compared the governor's negotiating with Goldilocks and the Three Bears today. We're looking for the porridge in the middle where we actually have a conversation um, and we're able to say, here's what's important to me, here's what's important to our side, 
and how can we make that work? This year, he's not being clear enough about where he could be able to strike a compromise on some of these things, even though he said he'd be open to it. And she's saying the porridge is a little too cold. We need something more in the middle, she says. So interesting uh, metaphor. The meetings are entertaining, but we don't we don't actually come out with with um, usable knowledge or, or concrete steps. Let's jump ahead to today. Early today, governor holds a press conference. What do we learn? Well, I don't know if we learned too much today. He basically said what he's been saying since the beginning of the session, which is that he's going to wait until he receives these major pieces of legislation like the minimum wage proposal, paid family leave, and the budget. He's going to he's going to wait to weigh in on them until they get to his desk. I'm looking at the aggregate, uh, and I say this a lot, but uh, but it's real. When you look at the aggregate burden on Vermonters, whether you're looking at the um, the paid family leave, uh, whether you're looking at the increased taxes, uh, whether you're looking at uh, things outside of even our budget, the, the burden on, on Vermonters. He's taking a much different approach than he did last year when he was sort of openly threatening vetoes. I mean, there are some clear indications of proposals he would or would not support, but Democrats are complaining that he's not being clear enough. Yeah. And uh, I think it, I think it's fair to note that lobbyists in, in the state house are, are are noting how really the governor, from a kind of strategic communications point of view, this session has been pitch perfect. The entire session, he stayed out of the fray, unlike the last session, and has really made it so the House and the Senate have just been teed off against each other. And he's been staying out of it. Well, I think they need to work it out. I mean, we're seeing there's a a lot of difference between the House and the Senate. this isn't just about the differences between the legislature and the administration or me. Uh, they need to work out their differences first. And, and then I have something to react to. And instead of either in the House or the Senate coming out strongly against the governor months ago, they've been bickering amongst themselves. I mean, the, the thing is, though, that, I mean, they do know that the governor would almost certainly veto their paid leave bills because they're funded through mandatory taxes on people. They do know that the governor wouldn't go for the $15 minimum wage proposal by 2024 because he vetoed that proposal last year. So they're aware of these things, but what's come to the forefront in the last two weeks or so is that on their biggest priorities, they can't they can't agree with themselves. You're saying that kind of rallying together that veto-proof majority would be a safer way to get those bills through than depending on the support of the governor? Well... I don't think that's necessarily true. I think, if anything, we're learning that rallying that quote-unquote veto-proof majority, in the case of the minimum wage, for example, it may actually be easier to give the governor a proposal that he could sign, opposed to getting a proposal that every 100 members of the House of Representatives could sign. And that's kind of what they tried to do with this proposal that passed yesterday in the House. The problem is that the, now for them is that the governor's not saying what he would or would not support. The other, the other big one, actually, which happened earlier this session, which kind of you, you look at it now and it, you see a lot of the, the again, the, the factions that are there now. They started then when um, there was the weatherization vote that would be on. It was a, it was a vote that would have hiked the tax on heating fuel. And this was a very contentious debate on the floor, contentious in committee, contentious all over the building. And you had a lot of uh, one freshman members have to make a really tough vote. Uh, you had moderate Democrats who did not who opposed the bill all the way through, um, and then you had progressive Democrats who were 
fully in support of this. But already, and this was a, you know, a couple months ago now, this, this kind of set up these internal lines within that supermajority or that super coalition that we have continued to see play out across the session, uh, which has really been the main story so far. And I think, I think that, you know, House leadership has never been hiding the fact that the caucus falls under a very large tent, as they call it. The caucus is very, the, the political sort of leanings of Democrats in Vermont are all over the spectrum. There's some left-leaning, very left-leaning Democrats, and there's some more centrist Democrats. They have not been shy about that. I was just going to say, again, going back to Democratic caucus meeting before the minimum wage debate, House Majority Leader um, Joe Krowinski did say how proud she was of the caucus for working through the legislative process and, and moving towards passing uh, the minimum wage, and that would have been the last of the big five priorities that they outlined at the beginning of the session. We said that we were going to pass a paid family leave bill. We were going to pass a minimum wage bill, an affordable child care bill, a broadband bill, and clean water bill. This is the last one. And I am so proud of the people in our caucus for making this happen, knowing that it's been messy, but we have been working really hard to find our collective voice and what gets us the most support on the floor. And you uh, whether they're enacted or not is a separate matter, but simply uh, doing the work there to get them out. So that, that was also mentioned in, in, in caucus. I imagine most people probably be listening to this after the session wraps up or, or next week when things are a little bit further along. I know we're not, we don't know what's going to happen over the next few days, but do you have kind of like a overall takeaway from what played out this session? I think the take the takeaway sort of, and this is the the way it's really going to be every year, and and probably in any legislature in the country, is that there is more than one piece of the puzzle when it comes to all these different things. I mean, there's no one um, leg of government has has its way. Everyone, every piece of government is going to have a different way to approach the same policy. I mean, the governor came out with a paid family leave proposal. He had a proposal. He pitched it. That went to the legislature that already had its own idea about a paid leave proposal. You had the House do something. The Senate didn't like what the House did. The governor doesn't like what the legislature's done. And now you have to find a way to hammer something out in the 11th hour that at least the Senate and the House are going to agree with to some degree. And maybe the governor can agree. I, I, I think the takeaway for me and the takeaway, government is divided and that, that can make it hard to get things done. And, and it often results in policy that maybe no one thinks is ideal. No one entity or branch of government thinks is ideal, but is a representation of multiple views and negotiations. If any of these big things pass, it's likely going to be something that is a compromise that isn't a resounding success success for any one branch of yeah. government or any one yeah. entity. I, I remember, I, you know, one, one lawmaker said, you know, his rule of thumb is to keep everyone equally unhappy. And that's really what it kind of seems like going into the end end game here uh, of the session. It really does seem like everyone's just playing around, you know, moving moving the shells around on a table, trying to make sure that everyone is equally unhappy with everything. Thanks, Kit. Thanks, Xander. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. You can find all of our legislative coverage at vtdigger.org. 
It's not too late to sign up for Final Reading, the evening newsletter that Kit sends from the State House every weekday. You'll get updates as negotiations continue next week, and we've got some ideas for after the session wraps up, too. You can sign up now at vtdigger.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast. Just search for The Deeper Dig wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. One more request, VT Digger's Spring Fundraising Drive is happening now. We're a nonprofit news organization, and we rely on reader support for about 40% of our budget. If you value our statehouse reporting and our investigative work, please consider making a contribution. Just head to vtdigger.org slash donate. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.